Are you ready for another journey into the circle? Today, we'll be talking with Denver Studdart, one of the founding members of Pure Love Ministries. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the discussion on breaking traditions. This episode of In the Circle is sponsored by Undiluted Music. Here is a taste of one of their newest songs, Jesus Junkie. Enjoy. Jesus Junkie and I can't get enough. Sweet Holy Ghost, I am hooked on this. That was Jesus Junkie from Undiluted Music. Now, let's get into our discussion with Denver Stoddart with Pure Love Ministries. Our chat today was, you know, is really going to be about, you know, um, religion where people are, you know, are so afraid to talk about um, mm-hmm. faith, belief. Um, you know, they use so many different words for that, you know, for 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 a connection with the universe i've heard some people use <laughs> um so i wanted to just get an idea from you as far as you know when you were growing up either in jamaica or when you migrated how what 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 affected or or, or what are some of the things that took place in your life that led you to creating a ministry which is pure love ministry which we'll talk about later but I'm just trying to get a, an idea as to what are the things that happened in your life, what people affected um, or connected with you in your life for you to go ahead and be a part of creating Pure Love Ministries. Well, the Jamaican culture and I guess the religion scene is somewhat unique. From what I can remember, most of the time you tend to attend a church, yes, but you attend a church that's closest to where you live. So your parents is more likely send you to church because it's close by and whether or not they would attend. Um, from speaking to my parents, I found out that I got baptized or got christened in a Seventh-day Adventist church. I remember when I was quite small, I attended um, Open Bible. I've attended Baptist. I've attended um, Church of Christ, which is where I got baptized and saved and had an evangelical background. So there has been a mixture, so to speak, when I got married to my husband, I got involved in Church of God. So there's been some mixture, so to speak, but my religious path, if you want to call it religion, has been where I started to just read the Bible for myself instead of just listen directly to what was said or what was passed on to tradition. And then my beliefs and my conviction came forth from my own read and study. Hmm. So that's that's interesting that you say that, but isn't that what most um, Christians will do? Most Bible believing Christians that you know go to church, you know, whether it's Open Bible, Seventh Day Adventist, you know, isn't that part of the process? Really dig into the Word. You would think so. 
and I would think so, but what I've come to realize is that um, a lot of Christians are more comfortable in hearing what a pastor or, or a teacher or an evangelist may be saying instead of from them going into the Bible or studying the scriptures for themselves. Many people may have a devotional lifestyle, and even if they have a conviction, they tend to put aside what they have read to the traditions of men. And I realize that um, as Christians, even in our lifestyle, we have a lot of traditions to kind of override what the word of God said. And that's one of the things that Jesus Christ came and he spoke against. He said that um, you'd rather obey and follow traditions than the commandments and the laws of God. So I've had done my studies. I've attended the churches. I have even um, observed the programs. And where I had to take it from, I had to go back to the beginning and i had to go back to yeshua jesus christ as most people call him and i had to say you know what i am a christian i'm a follower of christ let me study my master's lifestyle let me see the things that he taught and let me observe the things that he did let me line it up with my life am i doing them am i teaching them and the areas because we we, it's still a journey and the ears that I fall short, how can I correct it? Mm, very powerful, very powerful indeed. Well, hello, audience. Just wanted to let you know we have started the conversation, and it's 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 going pretty strong. Very open, very informative inf information. Just wanted to remind you that today we are talking with, we're connecting with Denver Studdart. She's a daughter, a wife, mother, entrepreneur, CPA and one of the founding members of Pure Love Ministries, otherwise called PLM. Denver is very busy to say the least, but finds time to educate and communicate her passion and beliefs, which led to creating Pure Love Ministries with her husband, Pastor Wayne Stoddart. And some of you may already be familiar with Pastor Wayne Stoddart, as you know, he's a recording artist. Um, and you can definitely um, find his information out there. So I just want to invite you to, to get comfortable, you know, grab a cup of tea and, and sit down and, and listen in as we um, continue on our journey um, with Denver Stoddart. Um, we will take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Excellent. Well, thanks for staying with us and welcome back um, to our discussion with Denver Stoddart, one of the founding members of Pure Love Ministries. So far, she's really given us some background information and, and what's, you know, and, and her beliefs and her directive. And so we're excited to continue our, um, our communication um, with her. So Denver, I, I, I see that, you know, you're an entrepreneur, you're also a CPA. Before we talk further about Pure Love Ministries, talk to us about those other areas in your life. You know, it seems to be that you're juggling so much. Mm -hmm. um, talk, talk to us about these other areas um, that, that you work through. Well, as you said, I'm a full-time wife and a mother, you know. I have those responsibilities that I still carry out, you know, in those positions. But I also have um, different businesses that I've launched or I'm in the stage of launching. Um, I'm still working full time, so to speak, with a company or organization. And I'm also a student. I'm a student. I, I am a study of the word right now. I'm actually pursuing my doctorate in theology with a focus on um, Christian counseling. 
So um, I guess the key for me is it's time management. And I also try to make sure that I have a day that I set aside where I rest and I recoup. I also believe that a strong support system of the family, even the children having their own roles to carry out in the household has helped me a lot to kind of just keep those pieces balanced. Mm. So speaking of family, now that you've mentioned that, you know, what, what is the, is the flow of the Stoddard family? How do you keep the family connected? How do you keep the family involved and, and a part of that Christian spiritual process? Because earlier you mentioned, you know, growing up in Jamaica, you know, the parents would send the, the, the kids to church. They may not necessarily go. So, you know, I would expect they understand the importance um, but how do you keep the family grounded in the foundation of your beliefs? Well, one of the things that we started doing early with the kids was that we have a family devotion that we do. We use the Bible app and the Bible app, app have these different devotions. So as you know, each person may have a different schedule. The kids may go to school at a different time. We go to work at a different time. But what we do is that each morning, each person has, we tend to be reading the same day of the devotion and the devotion allows you to communicate through what you're reading during that time. But we also try to do group things together. We'll have, we get together basically on the Sabbath and on that Saturday before we close out, we connect with each person to say, okay, how was your week? You know, these are the issues that I had with you this week. These are the issues that the children may have face in school or in the household or this life that we as parents had approached and it's an open discussion to keep them connected. We also try to make sure at that time that we address any family goals or any personal goals that we think that they can apply or apply for us. One of the things that we did is like we have exercise goals that we have. Sometimes that's a challenge but we have the goals and the challenging that we set up in the household. We also try to get together now and then during dinner time that's not always easy, but most of the connection that we do is normally sometimes right before bed in terms of catching up, hey, how was your day? What was going on? At least once or twice a week, we try to see how that was. Yes, it, it, it sounds like it's a conscious approach yes. um, because, you know, we hear from a lot of families out there that it's finding it very difficult, even during these time, you know, as, as we go through um, a pandemic um, you know, they're finding it very difficult to keep the family grounded and, and, and following through on the plans that they have. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like it does require a lot of work, a lot of focus. It does. It takes a lot of redirection, you know, and we hold ourselves accountable to each other. Of course, we know that the, the children have a responsibility to respect their parents and to honor them. But we hold ourselves, even as parents, accountable to them and them accountable to us. So if we are if we if we are lagging with that devotion, they say like, hey, why why didn't I see you do this devotion? But even earlier on, we used to try and put in like um like even a family movie night or something. Even now in with this COVID season, it's easier now to do that where there are more time spent inside. There can be a time set aside where the entire family comes together either once or twice a week and they watch a program together just to have that interaction with each other. Oh, okay. That is a fabulous idea. Um, so, so what are the ages of the children? Because, you know, you, you, 
as far as, you know, if they're younger, if they're in elementary or a high school, you know, the interaction and the connection is a little different. Yes. And the reason why I'm digging into it a little further is because, you know, the, the, the saying is that the family atmosphere, the yes. family connectivity is breaking down. Yes. Um, and and of, of course, also the way families are described um, seem to be changing over the years. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm just curious, you know, have you... Is there a different approach that you use depending on the age group of of of, of the children in your household? Yeah, it, it will be definitely um, based on the age group. For the dynamics changed as my children move through elementary to middle to high. Right now, they are both in high school. My son started high school this year, and he's going to be 15 tomorrow. I'm going to give him a shout-out. Shout out. Happy birthday, Wayden. Happy 15th birthday. Yeah, happy yes. birthday, Wayden. So he's going to be 15, and my daughter is a senior, which is 17, so this is her final year. So they have become more responsible, but even from earlier, we made sure that we teach them certain responsibilities you know for years now my son has been able to handle the stove responsibly responsibly um he knows how to do his own laundry they do their own laundry they know how to take out the trash the recyclable they can cook basic meals for themselves in times that i may be too busy or i may have a deadline to reach or the father his father may be in music they know how to step in at that time and say okay they'll make their own meals for themselves when it was younger, it was harder to do that. One of the things that helped as well was the, the school bus system. I don't have to drop and pick them up at school. Um, my son was in walking distance to middle school. So it all depends on what's going on. If it was a case where I had to, when I used to have to drop my son to school years ago, although it wasn't far, that would be the devotional time. That would be the times that we're saying, okay, we're going to have devotion now and we're going to have our prayer. That's the time that we get to connect. So it depends on where you are and what you're doing. You have to just maximize those moments together to see how you can implement the connectivity and to maintain that connectivity at whatever stage that they're at. Very good, very good. I think that's excellent advice, you know, especially for those families that are really struggling to, you know, to incorporate, um, you know, faith-based foundations um, within the family. Um, I'm going to backtrack a little bit, Denver, because when we were talking um, just a little bit earlier, you had mentioned the Sabbath. Yes. And that, that, that term means different things for different people. Mm -hmm. For you and for your ministry, what is the Sabbath? Uh, the Sabbath, as per the Bible and what we observe, is basically sunset to sunrise so it's sunset on friday night to sunset not sunrise to sunset on saturday and that's a day where we basically rest as we call it on our rest primarily involves doing only things relating to the word of god so during that time period we make sure that we do not watch anything that is secular read anything is secular we only watch or really read the bible or faith building programs or read the Bible, do study or worship of that sort. So it's just a period that we have set aside to say that this is the day that we are going to, period that we're going to dedicate to God and just to give him that period in prayer or in worship or praise or to study his word as according um, as he had outlined to us in his commandments to do. 
so what's the difference then? Because you said it's 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 sunset to sunset. Yes. Is there any particular day of the week that you commit to that, or is it you know any any time that 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 works within your schedule for it to be sunset to sunset? It's whatever the sunset is in my region at that time. So as I said, I'm in Tampa, Florida. So once the sun sun goes down, or we normally check to be more precise because we know the time is changing now. But whenever the sun goes down on Friday where we are, we keep it until when the sun goes down on Saturday. Okay, so you're a Friday to Saturday. Yes. So what what's the difference then? Because you do have a wide number, a wide variety of churches out there. And I know later on we'll get into the difference of PLM and, and, and what makes it, you know, different and make it stand out. But the wide majority of people out there, you know, seem to worship on Sunday, or am I mistaken? Um, I think you are correct. And one of the things that I made sure I studied um, was um, the Reformation period. And if you review the Reformation period, it speaks about, if you think about it, most of our churches have stemmed from the Catholic system. That's how the Protestants came forward. They basically protested against the Catholic system. And I think many of them have kept the traditions and some of the teachings that came from them. But the Bible has clearly outlined what the Sabbath is. I know people sometimes, they go on their own, do their own spin-off. But, you know, even from the beginning, God says the evening and the morning were the first day. So God basically starts a day from the evening before. I don't know why it's that way, but, you know, Genesis clearly tells us that. And even in Leviticus, when he outlines his laws, it tells us that. But why personally um, we have decided to do that is I, I tend to tell the ministry PLM family that it's not so much a debate with what everybody's saying. It comes back to who we are. And one of the things I always say is that I am a Christian. And if I'm a Christian, it means that I'm a follower of Christ. And if Christ observed it, then I am going to observe it because I'm following him. And I always say, if a Buddhist is following Buddha, Confucianist, as they call him, is following Confucian. Everybody's following that main person. And as a follower, you try to follow their example. As a master and a student, you try to emulate what your master did. So when I looked, I realized that Jesus did it. The early church did it. So why is it that what caused it to stop? And I don't have the time to go into the nuances and what's written and how the decision came forth, but it comes back. The most simplest way I can explain it is that Jesus did it. I'm a follower of him, Jesus Yeshua. So I'm gonna seek to do what he did. Yes, yes, indeed. Well, hello again in the Circle family. We are communicating, we are chatting, we're having a great conversation with Denver Stoddart, one of the founding members of Pure Love Ministries. And if you have questions for her, you know, you can always connect through the and leave a message on our podcast and we'll be able to get that out to her and, and respond accordingly. You may even hear your response on the podcast in the future. So I encourage you to do so. And um, we've heard so much about Denver and her personal belief. And I promise that when we get back, 
we're going to dig further into Pure Love Ministries. We're just going to take a short break. Hello, In The Circle friends. Welcome back. Welcome back to our chat with Denver Stoddart with Pure Love Ministries. And as I promised, we are going to dig into what is Pure Love Ministry. So Denver, there are so many churches out there, I guess, depending on, you know, where you are. But in particular for the U.S., there seem to be quite a large number. I think the South, that they call the Bible <laughs> Belt. Um, there are a lot of churches. So why did you decide to go ahead and create Pure Love Ministries? And if you could tell us, too, how did you come up with the name? Uh, Pure Love Ministries um, is basically the brainchild of my husband, Pastor Wayne Stollart. Um, in early 2019, he got the conviction or the call, if you want to say that, it's time for him to start his own ministry. So he was being convicted about doing that. Um, he went to a, we went to a leadership conference together, and through the speakers there, it's basically confirmed the need to do this. Um, the approach that we had made and the approach that we said it would be that it would not have been like the conventional and the traditional churches that we have known them to be. It will just be um, from the heart and the conviction and keeping to the word of God. The conviction came as well as we realized that many churches tend to have tend to be following traditions and not necessarily the word of God. And there were so many things that we were seeing or could reflect in our history that were not, that were keeping us and pulling us away from the word of God more and more. And one of those were um, the Sabbaths and, you know, even just some basic holidays, which I won't have time to go into this week. But the name stemmed from the foundation that we have. So before the ministry was birthed, the foundation was birthed before that. And the foundation name is Pure Love Foundation. The foundation was birthed based on James 1.27 that says, Pure religion undefiled is this, to visit the fatherless and the widow in their affliction and to keep yourself unspotted from the, from the world. So that started a conviction to us where before we had started the ministry, we realized that we had to start a charity we are, we are making sure that we are doing what the Bible speaks about. You know, the Bible is littered about the importance of giving to the poor and being missions and outreach. And we believe that we didn't have that ability to do it in the manner that we would want to or contribute in the way that we would want to. So the foundation was formed first. Then when the call came to have the ministry or the church, it was just changed in the name from foundation to ministry. And it was just easier for organizational purposes and tax purposes as well, too. But it was the basis and the foundation was about the need to say, yes, as a church, as a ministry, we want to continue where outreach has to be part of the foundation and the lifeblood of the ministry. And even pre-COVID, that's one of the things that we made sure that we made it clear to our members and our visitors. So what we would have done is that every fourth um, Sabbath or Saturday, we would actually close the doors of the church. There would not even be a service. And that Saturday would be dedicated to missions and outreach because we didn't want to have the option or even create an option to people to think that, listen, it's optional for you, you not to serve. 
it's not optional for you to say, okay, I'm not going to give to the widow or the poor or to do some outreach in some manner. So from that verse, James 1, 27, the foundation formed, the ministry took the baton and continued to run with that vision of making sure that we are serving and meeting the needs of those less fortunate. So let me see if I understand what you're saying. You're saying there is one Saturday per month that you do not have a service. Before COVID, for 2019, before COVID, every Saturday, the fourth Saturday, there was one Saturday every month, we will not have a church service. The doors will be closed and it will be a missions Sunday, mission Saturday. So what would you do? Give me an example of what the 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 members would do. I mean, do they do their own thing? Do you do it as a group? Because this sounds very revolutionary. Could you expand on that for our audience? It would be a group effort. And the group effort varied. So what we will do, we will not even create the wheel. Because many times the time that we spend to create the wheel instead of adding on to what somebody else is doing, it causes, I think, a waste in efforts and energy. So because we were new and a small body, we will partner with different charities that are in the Tampa area that already had a system in place but needed the help. So we will partner with Metropolitan Ministries in Tampa and we will partner them and help them in um, their warehouse area in terms of clothes sorting for, for those less fortunate. We will partner with them in their food in the restaurant or the, um, the kitchen area just in terms of preparation of meals. We will also partner with, um, I think it's Tampa Bay. There's a Tampa Bay feeding or feeding Tampa Bay where we will actually serve those who are less fortunate just serving them either breakfast or a lunch with these institutions. We will partner with Habitat for Humanity in building homes for them. We will also partner with, um, where we don't physically have to be there though, is like missions in Africa or in Jamaica, where they have a feeding program for the less fortunate. But for local base, we will partner with these different bodies and these institutions. We have also partnered with um, the orphanage, I forget the, the orphanage name, there's an orphanage in Tampa that we will partner with them and just helping them to meet the needs and building homes and even landscaping if necessary with um, the children's home in Tampa. So how difficult is that process? Let's say there, there are, you know, other, um, you know, affiliated or affiliates or, you know, church members out there or church leaders out there listening to this how challenging is it to do that, to close the door and actually go out in the field and, and, and touch and feel the process that you've been I describing? I think the challenge comes where it was not in the nature, where people are basically used to coming to church every week. But one of the things that we did was to establish early as a new body that, listen, this is the MO of the church. This is what we do. So it's not something, it's, we have built it into the culture, so to speak. I think it will be challenging for someone who have been going on for years and basically try to do it now. And different institutions, for whatever reason, they may choose not to want to compromise for whatever reason their Sunday services or Saturday services, not knowing that what they're doing is ministry in itself. We have to realize that many people are not going to actually come into the church to be ministered to. 
So when we are able to go out on the streets and say, okay, one, we have even gone out to evangelize at different areas. When you know that, okay, one day out of the month, you're going to these areas and most of the people in these areas are unsaved. You know, we are not going to get them coming into the body. So when you are able to go out to them, you are basically doing more and doing the work of Christ. Christ went out on the streets. He was there on the highways and the byways because most of the people that he healed and ministered to weren't even welcome into the synagogue. So therefore, it has to be something that has become a culture of your church and of a body. And I think that's the issue that we have with many traditional churches. It's so seated in tradition and so seated in culture as against the word of God. Uh, but if you decide that, listen, no matter what it's going to cause me, I'm going to try and do what the word of God says. I'm going to try and do what Jesus Christ says. Then you can trust God and the Holy Spirit to help you to put that in place. But we just assigned, we have assigned people in charge of missions and in charge of different locations. We just have a sign-up sheet that we put out. Sometimes we do not have the full support of the congregation, but we do not let that deter us from moving out and doing what God has called us to do. Wow, you're throwing out a lot of new words out there and processes. I hear the word Holy Spirit coming in there and led by the Holy Spirit. We absolutely need to, to make sure we invite you again to come back and, and really dig deeper into, you know, into some of those concepts for, you know, just for people to be able to understand. But it sounds exciting to be able to go out and help and support because it sounds like it matches up with what the yes. church should do, what is expected from from a church you know whether traditional yes. or not so so denver when you're actually having service then what is the typical service like is it is it also mm -hmm. revolutionary is it also different or do you typically follow um you know whatever the tradition looks like and and, and i think i know the answer to that what what is your typical um, gathering on Sabbath. See, I'm using the right term, hopefully. What is your typical gathering on Sabbath? It's like, and also, do you gather, um, you know, outside of, of the Sabbath um, for your congregation? And, and I know that this, you know, there's pre and post COVID, um, you know, times in here. So, so go ahead and explain to us how you guys are handling that. And, and, and when you meet, what right, do you so do? So pre COVID um, program outline, it will start like, like a regular church service, as you want to say. We'll have our praise and worship. We have our welcome. We have our prayers. But what we do differently is that we have more of an interactive service, which is not conventional. We have what we call a question of the day segment, where we tend to pose like questions that people may have concerning the Bible, concerning Christianity. I believe last Sabbath we had a question, I think it was about... Um, what are the motives or can someone have a motive that can cause them to reject or accept God and even as a Christian and just questions of that nature. And what we will do is that people will have the opportunity to share their opinion. We always prayerfully enter into these sessions and we ask the spirit of the Lord to filter what needs to filter and come through. And so far we have had all all what do you call all, all responses that serve to build up the body of Christ. But even pre-COVID, our, our sessions were unique in that we will take a break. Before the sermon comes or the pastor come forward, we will have a break session where it's where we gather around, 
we have a, a light snack or a light meal is where we catch up and get to know new members. Um, visitors will be singled out, not to embarrass them, but to just greet them warmly and get to know them. And then once we return after the break and the word comes forth, the pastor allows interruptions. Because there are many times that you may be in a service or... I, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> going to have to interject there for a minute, um, Dev, because my, my head is spinning here for a little bit. So you're saying that you meet and greet people in the middle of the service versus at the end, because when I've gone to church, it's at the end that people chat and, and get caught up or some will leave. And, and then when you're actually, when, when you're actually now presenting the message, I, if I'm, if I'm understanding this correctly, you're allowed to yes, interrupt because people get comfortable whether or not we want to accept it over coffee over a meal over breakfast food brings people together whether or not we want to accept it and once there's not fasting involved there's a meal presented and there's discussions and it has been such a blessing during that period but while the pastor is preaching because pastor Wayne goes by the word and he always tells about jesus will be teaching and the scribes, the Pharisees, or just someone curious will say, okay, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? What do I do about my, what if my, am I going to have seven wives when I go to, um, to heaven? People will constantly interrupt him and ask him questions many times when he was teaching. So we are following that same format to say, I know many times I've been in a sermon and I don't understand or need clarity on what is being taught. And by the time church service is over, I can't even get to speak to the pastor to ask him and I will go home with unanswered questions. So we are going back to the template of what Jesus did. Jesus was accessible. He was accessible to questions. He wanted us to learn and to grow. So the teach the ministry, I have to say, it's somewhat of a strong teaching ministry too, because we believe that as we teach each person, each person will be edified where they themselves can go on to teach someone else. Jesus commanded us to go and make disciples after yourself. He said, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth. He said, this all you know, you're my disciple if you bear fruit and bear much fruit. You know, so we are just trying to follow the format of the character, the personality and the actions that Yeshua Jesus Christ did. Well, that sounds all well and good because I have been, you know, in church as well, where there are things I may not understand or questions I would want to ask. But would it isn't it chaotic? You have people interrupting the the message and asking questions, and isn't it chaotic and lengthy? I mean, how do you manage that? If there is a church leader out there that's saying this is this sounds fascinating. But there's no way that would work at my church. What, what would your response be? Work. Right now, we have a small body and we have a moderator. And it's just like as if you're in a school or university, you will raise your hand to be identified. If you're in a huge lecture hall at a university, you still raise your hands to be identified. But where the transition has come for us and the plan that we have in place as we grow larger is that we will have small groups based on different topics, based on different discussions, based on the sermon, but it will still have to be based where you raise your hand to be identified and a response is given and, and you respond based on once you're identified. So it's not just where you just 
shout out, hey, pastor this, hey, that, you still have to raise your hand or whatever. And once you're identified, then you respond. So no matter how large the congregation is, you can still identify. If your congregation is even huge, it may mean that you cannot take all the Christians in one Sabbath or one Sunday morning. But what I would encourage you to do is to have your members write down any questions that were not addressed and then reserve some time, even like say five or 10 minutes before your next service or next sermon that is preached to just respond to those questions so that you make sure that everyone is edified and people do not leave or go home with any doubts or uncertainties in their faith or in the word of God. Mm -hmm. You know, statistics says that churches are, um, they're losing losing members or losing people, you know, each generation. And I'm not sure if that's coming from the fact that there's a misunderstanding of what is needed or what is required, etc. So the fact that people can ask questions um, sounds intriguing. Um, and, um, you know, I, I hope that that continues to work out as your, you know, as your ministry um, continues to grow. But again, that's another revolutionary um, you know, process that it sounds like um, Pure Love Ministries is, is, is going through and, and is doing. Do you guys meet any other time, whether virtually or in person? Um, yes, apart and I just want to add that even our meeting space, and that's where we want to keep it. It's not even set up as a regular church service. It's desk and tables because we want people to be comfortable we also provide writing instruments for them to take notes, you know, because many times you're in a church forum and it's so uncomfortable based on how the seating is for you to properly take notes. We want people to come in the mindset that I'm coming to learn, I'm coming to be edified. And if you want to come and sit and eat while the word is going on, then that's fine. So right now we meet. Wait a minute. Are you saying that people can eat during the message during the service and you're making um you know opportunity allowing for opportunity for yes. people to take notes this doesn't sound like it's the it's ministry not for, for everyone, everyone because no matter what you're going to have people that still wants to be in tradition the bible talks about jesus preaching in the synagogue yes but he also talks about the sermon on the mount where he will go on top of the mountain and talk to the people and it also talks about when he feed them with fish and bread. You know, why while the messages was basically going on or after the message was going on. You just have to try and think, okay, how do I bridge the gap or meet midway with the synagogue experience and the mountain experience? And we have been able to do that by having the desk and the chairs. And then we physically, if you want to do it, we have like a buffet area to the back. People take what they need and come to basically to sit. But basically, we now meet on Sabbaths. We meet on Saturdays in person. And then pre-COVID, post-call COVID, we are now fully online. But we have Wednesday nights online Bible study. And during those Bible studies, we decided that we are starting from Genesis and going to Revelation. We want each person to get to understand the Bible from the beginning. We believe the Bible is one continuous book. Although it's divided into Old and New Testament, it's all related and it's all pointing us to Yeshua, Jesus Christ. 
So we believe that as we go through chapter by chapter, verse to verse, the things that we were unsure about, the doctrine, the precepts, all that will come out and every person will get to ask questions as they go along through the entire Bible. We don't know how long it's going to take, but we believe that's what the Holy Spirit and that's what God wants us to do at this time. But as even as you teach, there's always going to be a reference to other scriptures in the Bible. But we have started from Genesis and we're going through to Revelation on Wednesdays. So on any given Wednesday, what is that process like? Because it sounds like PLM... Pure Love Ministries does things differently. Is is there a different process that you go through as well, well what for we your Bible study? Well, we try to do. We also believe in teaching and instructing and raising teachers, as I mentioned. So we will try ahead of time to give tools on how you can study the Bible. So we will tell, like, just in terms of making sure that you look, for example, what was the climate in that time? What was the culture? What was the geography? What is it that God is trying to tell me in this chapter? What is it that habits that I'm seeing that I should avoid? What are some things that I should lean towards? So these are the questions that we pose before and we encourage our members and those online to read ahead, to read ahead and to glean from it and then come with your response. Our formats on Wednesdays, we normally start with a testimony. You know, Revelation says we overcome through the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, testifying what God has done for you, but also testifying, proclaiming the word of God, yes. But we also, during that teaching, teaching passed away and allows people to come forward and say, okay, what did you get from the scripture? It's still very interactive on Saturdays. People are allowed to speak, to express, to give their inputs, whatever questions they may have. And even now and then, periodically, we ask them to give a summation of the chapter and present. So one of the basis, we come back to one of the basis of the ministry, is that it allows the interaction and the participation of members. We believe that we know in part, we prophesy in part. We are all learning, but also that there is no baby Holy Spirit. A small child can be in the meeting and ask a question or bring forth a response, or an older person, it doesn't matter. Once you have the Holy Spirit in you, we believe that God can speak to you and speak through you, you know? And we are all there as Christians, as the body of Christ, to line up the word of God, precept by precept, to just making sure that it's aligned to what God wants us to say per his word. Hmm. Well, friends, if you did not realize how lucky you were, you are lucky now to have entered the circle with Denver Stoddart with Pure Love Ministries. Um, and I just want to to just dig a little bit deeper before we let Denver go um, regarding some of the, the, the terms that I hear, you know, used, you know, you, you've mentioned Yeshua. Um, you know, and we have gotten actually um, a, a couple of questions from some of the members, um, you know, of PLM ministry. Um, ministry. I don't want to go through all of them just because of time, but um, if you could touch on Yeshua um, a little bit, just, just so that um, people can understand some more. And also, as you know, you know, we're just around the corner. Um, for Halloween and Halloween has always been this um, it's always been a debate I guess for 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 people that are in the church and people that are not in the church and since it sounds like um, pure love is not very traditional you know I would love to hear your thoughts um, about um, you know holidays in particular I know 
Halloween, Christmas, etc. How does Pure Love approach All right, to start um, those the name, holidays? The name Yeshua means Jesus, basically. It's basically a variation of Joshua. Joshua is basically a variation of Jesus. But it's the Hebrew name for Jesus. Just as we will sometimes say Elohim, Adonai. Some people know the term Jehovah Jireh. You know, it's basically the Hebrew name of Jesus. Why I have chosen to use that, I believe it's my name like anything else. When I took Spanish in high school, one of the things that I learned is that Denver in English is Denver in Spanish. No matter which country I go to, my name is Denver. I do not want it to be translated as something else, uh, some to give another meaning to it. I also um, have access to older Bibles and older Bibles as they were converted, it was, didn't even have Jesus in the Bible with a J. It had I-E-S-U-S. But as J was introduced to the English language and the English language transformed, then the name transformed with a J to Jesus as well. To me, that was quite concerning because this is a name that we stand on the authority of. And I believe that God still allows us to use that name with results because of his grace and because we know who we are calling on and who's, who we serve. So the name is still effective if you say Jesus. But for me personally, if I know what the Hebrew name of my Lord and Savior is, that was the name spoken from heaven. The Hebrew language is what it was written in from the Old Testament. And it says, okay, the, his name shall be Yeshua or Yahusha, as some people pronounce it. Then that's the name that I want to go back to, his original Hebrew name. And I heard you mention the older, did yes, you say you older Bible? Some, I think it's pre-1611 versions of the Bible. You will see for Jesus, it would actually have I-E-S-U-S. Mm. So, you know, if, if you're in the circle and you're listening now, that sounds like another question that we would love to have um, Denver stutter, you know, come back on and, and discuss uh, because that is new, I'm sure, to 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 many of you and, and to me as well. Um, so let's get into yeah. the the holiday, um, the, the different holidays, because you know that's that's something that's debated within the, the 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 church, within the religious atmosphere. Some accept it, some don't. Some where is PLM's Our position PLM stands, on that? As I said, is always to follow what Jesus and the early church did. Because we realize that as time goes on, a lot of things are introduced because of tradition or doctrines of men, as Christ would call it. And we tend to be straying away from the word of God. For example, one of the things that PLM, PLM is looking to do is to find out, is to research more about the feasts. You know, they are the feasts of the Passover, the feast of the unleavened bread. These things that the Bible clearly speaks about that Yeshua, Jesus Christ and the early church followed, which do have significance to Christ and his in turn returning. But we have not been celebrating these feasts. Instead, we tend to be following the traditions that were instituted by years ago. And I can't even go into the history of Christmas and history of Halloween. But these were things that were introducing years after Christ died, was resurrected years after the early church and the significance of it. For example, right now, Christmas is even nothing to do with Jesus Christ anymore. A lot of people now who celebrate Christmas don't even celebrate Christ's birth. It's all about gifts. It's all about materiality and all that stuff. But to get it back to the basics of what it is, we try to keep it to the foundation to say, okay, did Jesus and the early church do this? 
if Jesus and the early church did not do it, why am I doing it? And then the next step, and this is what I'm going to encourage your listeners to do. Reopen the book of your Bible, the gospel. So open John. What did Jesus do? Am I doing what he's doing? If not, why not? What am I doing that he and the early church did not do? So for example, Christmas, you, if you open Google, if you open um, YouTube, you can look to see the history of Christmas. You can look to see the history of the Halloween. You can look to see the history of most of these things. It's not hidden. It's right there. And when you get to the root of these things, many times it has even Easter. Easter is coming from Estre, which I believe is, um, is like a Greek goddess of fertility. But the name somehow, where did, if you look into the older Bibles too, it didn't even have Easter. Over time, man have changed and put the word Easter in the Bible. That's something else I'm giving as homework for, the, um, for your believers to research. So a lot of these things that are set up now when the church has, t- churches are even doing egg hunts. You know, doing the fertility, God, egg, how did egg come into everything? Church is participating with Halloween, which is a worship of deaths and devils by having pumpkin. And they say, oh, it's false sale we are having. And they have these excuses. The Christmas tree, there's a history behind that as well. So all of these things where I'm just leaving for the listeners to say, Google, go on YouTube or something, but get even to get an old encyclopedia, because sometimes getting those old books and those old dictionaries, because over time, words have even changed in the Bible, in, in the dictionary, the meaning of it, to accommodate the custom, if you really think about it. And I can go into that, but that's a whole different story. But if you look into some of these old encyclopedias, old dictionaries, and just look up these words and where did it originate from and who it did it originate from, you realize that it had nothing to do with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Many of it are actually doctrines of devils, things that are implemented and instituted to distract us. So they, do you really think that there's, you know, any harm in, in following I those things? I believe there is because I believe it's, it's one of the wiles of the enemy. We cannot serve God and mammon. And I think it's the little compromises that take us off guard for bigger test to come i think that once we start accepting the little things and instead of going to the real meaning of what god wants us to do i think it serves as uh defiling us personally as people as christians of god i see it many times as idolatry you know because we are no longer doing what the word of god says Mm -hmm. or what he has commanded us to do and we have decided to do what we think is right in our own eyes And that's one of the things we studied last Sabbath with Eli and his sons. You know, God had instituted a way of giving their offerings and the sons had gone away and basically changed and did it another way. We know the story of David and Uzzah and David carrying the ark and they have gone about doing it another way. So God has clearly outlined the feast that he wants his people to to observe, at least the Israelites. And if Christ did, as I said, we do it. And... My heart, my concern with it more than the harm is that why aren't we doing the things that he said that we should have done and have taken up all these new things? Hmm. I heard another new word there, mammon, and I'm hearing, you know, a, a lot of difference in what PLM is doing 
for our audience, you know, for those of our friends that are in the circle that would be interested in walking that journey with PLM and, and, and becoming a part of your ministry and learning more, um, how, how can they connect with you, connect with Pure Love Ministries? All right, so our listeners can connect with us through our website or Facebook page. Our website is pureloveministries.org. On Facebook or Instagram, we are there as Pure Love Ministries. You can drop us a note, send us an email if you'd like to be a part of our Bible studies or our Zoom Sunday morning services. We do broadcast our Sunday morning services live by Facebook as well. The advantage and the good thing is that if you want to go back to a beginning of our Bible studies, they're all there on YouTube. On YouTube, we're there as well on the Pure Love Ministries. Our old sermons are there as well, and they're also there on Facebook as well. So you could drop us a note. You know, we add you to our Zoom chat group where we send invitations where you can come and participate in our Bible study. Or you can just drop in to listen on any of our Sabbath services as well. In future episodes, we'll be chatting with single women, three women from three countries. Are women choosing to be single or is it just difficult to find the right partner? Well, join us to find out. In the meantime, for your listening pleasure, here is undiluted music Jesus Junkie. Enjoy until the next time when we meet in the circle. Jesus Junkie, Jump it.